Hello and welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast, the podcast that's about songwriting. Weekly. Indeed. And um, yes, welcome to episode 7 of the current season, season 15. I'm here with my co-host. Would my co-host like to introduce themselves? Hi everyone, I'm Roger. And I'm not Roger. Uh, every week we bring a new song to the podcast uh, that we've written within the space of a week. And then we sort of discuss how we wrote it and like what influences went into it and anything like particular that we want to talk about. And uh, how did you find writing for the final song of this uh, set of challenges? It was quite nice, actually, because it was a relief. It was a bit of a finalised thing. But also I feel like I kind of like channeled a few of the things I've worked on over this season into this song. How about you? I must admit, like, this one just came to me uh, this week really quickly. But it's also, like, falling a bit back on, like, a cheat that I often use. But we shall talk to that when we get to my song later on in Proceedings. Um, I believe you actually had some goals this season, whereas I did not. Talking of you and your songwriting and your goals for songwriting, you've got a song. I do have a song. An entire song. Very much so. Um, Yeah, so my song this week is a piano ballad. It turned out to be a piano ballad, but we'll get into it. And it's called Icarus, and it goes like this. Thinking of some way to win your sympathy Thinking of some way to throw the second round before the fight's begun I'm not afraid to run I'm not afraid to hide away second place until my children daddy never won mm-hmm. faith is being repossessed by entropy hope is hanging listlessly behind whichever horse refused to run I used to speak in tongues I used to tell myself that anybody else to brace Promises in deficit. I'd rather just remove that debt than have you see me fizzle out again. I don't need any friends. I don't want any comfort all to call upon. It's not a problem they can comprehend. Don't hold me up against your own trajectory. You'll never get the best of me Suggesting me a better way to run I'm reaping what I know I'll never know a better way to get along Than trapped within the garden that I've grown What does that mean? To fly close to the sun When all you do is Outside of hell, the cage I'm in. I'd like to have your discipline. You say it's best for me to never learn. I'll get what I deserve. Tomorrow's drowning out the noise of yesterday, but maybe here today the wheel will turn.
So that was Roger's song for this week, Icarus. And uh, I've got to warn you, Roger, please don't follow in Icarus's footsteps. You are in danger of doing that because this song is so hot. It's so good. I love it because <laughs> it's too close to the sun. You'll melt the wax on your cords or something. That's the title. <laughs> wow, that's, an, that's probably our earliest title ever. I know. Oh. Someone's going to write in and be like, oh, actually, you had one in the pre-title sequence before. Um, can I make an educated <laughs> guess as to why this is like fulfilling a few, one of your themes for this, or one of your challenges for this season? Please. Well, obviously, uh, the character of Icarus uh, from Myth. Uh, obviously, the guy who flies too close to the sun, melts the wax in his wings, falls to his death, and his dad is a little bit upset about it. <laughs> like, using... Are you trying to sort of portray yourself as an Icarus-like figure? Like, with those lines in the chorus, what does it mean when I fly too high to the sun when you just float back down again? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Pretty spot on, really. Hooray! Keep I going. can analyse texts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's basically it. To be, to be honest, I wasn't sure what to call the song. Um, I was actually going to introduce it as Icarus being the working title, um, because it could change. It's funny, like, the the bulk of the lyrics and like the bulk of the work it took to kind of get them up on their feet was the verses and the chorus was kind of an afterthought, but really the most, I guess, symbolic in that. So it wasn't written to be like a character song. It just lent into that in the chorus. But it's kind of nice when that happens and you realize, Oh, I have some stuff to work with now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I suppose in a way as well, I, what I was conscious to not, have the verses be about the Icarus myth, because I think that myth is so, um, you know, well-known and kind of, it does a good enough job of telling itself that I think retelling it in song would kind of be a little bit um, impotent. So We might yeah. be returning to this idea later in the episode. Okay. I'm, I'm very interested in that because... Um, there's a text I, which I needed to I read. I gave you homework. Yes, and um, so I'm very curious about that. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it's a thing, isn't it? If, if you're referencing something that's extraordinarily well known, and you know, with Icarus, it's the, the Icarus flying too close to the sun. It's such a simple tale that retelling it doesn't really do it any favors. Mm, not unless you've got some unique spin to put on it, or if you're using it to impart some other meaning within a different story. So I kind of like zeroed right in on the title there. Um, and you said that didn't come about to the chorus. Where was where was the start for this one? Well, the start for this one uh, was on Sunday. I, I tried to write sort of, I don't know, some kind of upbeat, um, you know, snare on the two and four type of song in the in the previous days of the week, and I nothing really materialized. And then on Sunday morning, I woke up and I I wasn't really in a good place, and I just woke up and I, you know, I didn't have anything to do on Sunday, so I I just lay in bed and you know your mind wanders, and I was kind of thinking like I don't know, like how could you portray yourself to gain the sympathy and understanding of others, which is quite a sort of crass thing to do. And I, I, the image of that in my head kind of made me think of the first line of the song, thinking of some way to win your sympathy. And as happens sometimes when I'm lucky, that was accompanied by a melody. So I I was still in bed when I recorded this, but um, I grabbed my phone and I picked up an electric guitar and I just tried to play what was in my head and this is what I came up with. Thinking of some way to win your sympathy Thinking of some way to know before the tides begin to turn I never had you down So you really are just like figuring it out at that stage. You're just sort of trying to work out where everything fits. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, and that's pretty illustrative of the normal process for me coming up with my very first phone demo, if you like, 
where it's like I have one line and then I'll kind of like allow myself to just kind of stream of consciousness after that and see if anything comes and sometimes things do in this case nothing really came um it took a little bit more work but that first line I knew I had a few things I had the lyric itself thinking of some way to win your sympathy I had the chords to go with it I had a key and I had a rhythm so already that kind of like provides a template for the following verses to follow in its footsteps if that makes sense mm, yeah yeah I, I see that yeah at what point did you decide lol no to the guitar and decide to make this a piano thing? <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, after the week was over, so I wrote the whole thing on guitar and it was all done and had lyrics and everything. And it was still this sort of like, you know, the guitar was very much a placeholder, but it was this thing of like, okay, well, I'll, I'll record some guitar when I go to record it. And then I just kind of sat down at the piano because I needed to like figure out the tempo i think it was or something like that like something really arbitrary and mm. i just kind of started playing it i was like oh right it works better on piano i think i think that as well listening to like the full track that we heard first like i was saying to you as we were hearing it like it feels very much like uh like that moment in a show where everything goes quiet after some loud big bombastic thing because it's so centered on like a personal struggle mm. um uh, and just the timbre of it, like uh, I'm even hearing things like where you could do like you could start it off as being like a phone demo on a piano and you in a room, and then slowly, as you're getting to the crux of the song, bring in some like a nice choir and like studio mics and everything, and use the sort of recording itself to sort of slowly build up a bit of confidence before bringing it back down at the end. That's a really good idea. I like that using the recording itself. That's very meta. It, it's it's a fun thing to do, uh, but yeah, Fletcher's used that on his album quite a lot, and there's some fun things you can do with that. And I'm just thinking, I wish my phone could record that decent quality. You've heard the sound quality of my phone <laughs> recordings. It, it's not up to much. Um, yeah, um, different phones have different levels of quality. I guess I like that idea though. That's very cool. There's a killer song, which I can't remember the name of, which does that on the album Sawdust. Um, it starts off with, um, I like to think it's Brandon Flowers phoning himself from work, like phoning his home phone from work with a song idea of him just singing into the answering machine. And that's on the studio version. As it would kick into the chorus, the whole track explodes into studio production. Um, it's it's a very cool thing to do, playing with that production. Doesn't Sif Jen Stevens do that as well on Carrie and Lowell? Like a lot of those tracks are done like... Was it on, like, an iMac or, like, phone recordings? But, like, basically, it's not, like, a proper studio setup. Yeah, yeah, from what, I, from what I've heard, yeah, I think it's a mixture, yeah. Like, the original acoustic guitar tracks were done on the MacBook or something or the iPhone, and then, yeah, and then overdubs were done later, which creates a really unique uh, texture for the album. It kind of, in an odd way, adds a little bit of verisimilitude to it, like uh, this sort of sense of honesty to everything. I know what you mean. It's hard to put your finger on why. I guess, like, studio production, as much as it lends itself to, like, creating, like, a cinematic scope for a piece of music or, like, a bombast, it can also seem a little bit of an artifice, whereas recording something on your phone seems really intimate. Even though, like, the whole act of recording something is artificial, even if you're doing it on your phone, you're doing it to have a recording of it. You're not doing, just doing it in the moment. So it's 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 this weird thing of like uh, degrees of artifice and how you use that within the nature of the recording process, just to get a wee bit uh, philosophical about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. That's a really good point. Yeah, so I mean, the the nice thing with this song was that it's essentially well, it's two sections, and each section. Uh, has the same chord progression each time it repeats itself. Um, uh, the mm. chord progression itself was was interesting because it uses a few tricks I like, but in ways I haven't necessarily used them before. So in the verses, I'll just kind of outline the chords here. So we have, um, it's in G major, and we're playing like this. G major, B minor, A minor, C minor, D, G, B minor, D minor, C, 
So you've got a few non-diatonic chords in there, um, which really dictate it, where the melody goes. It's interesting that you swap the minor four and the minor five around. Like it, it's you can that's almost like a workshop in like what the different feels of each of those get you. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, they're both quite interesting um chords to use, and I think I've avoided them on the whole for a while because if you kind of use them every week they become a little played out and they lose their magic uh but i was um i've been giving uh my friend joe piano lessons um for a friend joe that you're in a band with uh the band being pea green boat and your records being available on spotify and itunes and Bandcamp and all of the fun places and you should check them out because they're really good that's a hell of a bracket (laughs) close bracket um (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been giving him piano lessons and he's into the same stuff as you and I in terms of chords and melody and song construction and stuff but he doesn't have that music theory knowledge that you and I have to varying degrees Um, Mm. so I'm teaching him some of that stuff and I'm going okay this is bits and pieces of what I like to do minor fours minor fives sharpened fifths whatever and it's kind of relit my enthusiasm for those chords again so i've started to see them anew yeah it's kind of nice when you explain something to someone and then you realize oh yeah there's a reason why this works let's go and use that again (laughs) yeah yeah exactly uh so i i guess i kind of gave myself a bit more of a license to use these chords which i haven't used in a while um and then i think the other thing that was quite Oh, what am I trying to say? Like, my goals at the beginning, I guess one of them largely was to kind of get lyrics that were more well thought out rather than just being a stream of consciousness. And I feel like this is the first time I've hit, like, a balance between it being poetic or metaphorical or, um, or like a stream of consciousness and it being structured and having some kind of, um, uh, logic to it, for lack of a better word. There's lots of internal rhymes within rhymes, and there's lots of alliteration. And I think that's something, for me personally, that I can only achieve by really sitting with the lyrics without an instrument accompanying me for a while and just, like, going, okay, right, how many syllables do I need for this? And, like, does that consonant match the alliteration of the previous line? And how can I get... And, like, but also have that make sense, like, in terms of the rhyme scheme and everything and the meaning of the song. So mm. the the lyrics took the longest again on this one, I'll say that. Well, I mean, it's time that paid off because it's a really nice set of lyrics and it's just a really nice song. There's a couple of like little moments in it that like feel very you. Like uh, I said as well, you're tickling your high note register for a bit. <laughs> yeah. There's also one specific like technique in there which I always associate with you. It's like we used to carto up to a chord, like from like one up to four or something, do, 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 do. But, like, you're also singing on top of that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know what you mean. That's um, it's definitely something I like to do. Because uh, it, I don't know, it's almost like, almost a little bit show tune you know? You hear that in show tunes quite a lot where they'll have, like, a word per chord. And it's in Disney Disney songs, too, that you've shown me. I notice that a lot. Yeah, it's kind of just a nice way of articulating a certain phrase and just making sure, like, you must understand this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's a nice nice thing to do, nice touch that. But yeah, so before we move on to your song, we are going to mention our lovely sponsors for season 15 of the podcast, Journeyman Books. Journeyman! Yeah, so Journeyman Books, if you don't already know, and you should already know because you've been listening to this season of the podcast, they are these fantastic books with manuscript or tablature in them um, interspersed with um, like plain paper so they're perfect for songwriting because you can do your music there and you can do your lyrics all in the same book and it's just a nice place to kind of like cohesively keep a record of what you're writing and working on rather than just being all over the place or in just like a regular lined book it was uh, also bound in really nice fake leather as well which kind of just makes it feel really nice to write in like it feels weird, but like I've I much in- more enjoy pulling uh, this book out to write with than like uh, just scraps of old pads of A4 that I've normally got from Smiths or things before. It's just nice to have like that artist thing of like this is my songwriting book. <laughs> yes, it definitely like legitimizes you, doesn't it? It's like 
I, I have this because I'm a songwriter. <laughs> yeah, I'm a proper musician now. <laughs> I'm learning. Um, yeah, no, it's it's I like I've said before. Um, it's a sponsor that we both really like, and I think you know if I don't know some kind of I can't think of a single other product. But like, if some kind of like sellotape manufacturer approached us and said, "Hey, we'll you know sponsor the podcast," we'd probably say thank you, but no thank you. But can we have some? Hang on, hang on, hang on. What <laughs> sellotape are we talking here? Oh, the best, you know, the sellotape brand. The sellotape. Actually, I'm changing my mind. Okay, bye by <laughs> by Mr. Sellotape. <laughs> yes, Mr. Sellotape himself shook our hands with his sticky palms and. Um, Ew. <laughs> greased our palms with um, sticky coins. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Journeyman books. Journeyman books. To get 20% off of anything on the website, uh, all you need to do is go to my-journeyman.com, select the book or books that you want to purchase, and use the code WEEKLYSONG at checkout for 20% off. Rock and or roll. <laughs> so, Declan, um, tell us about your song. What's your song called this week? Well... Uh, my song, uh, I think it's probably better just to let you hear it. It's called Mugby Box, and it goes like this. First time that I heard it, I wondered how I felt something alright. I messaged up and down, but neither of them heard the same as I. Put it down to overwork or some other such affliction of the soul. It was only then I saw him standing by the red light of the tunnel hole. And I saw him waving to the night, he was covering his eyes. And I saw him. I saw the second train run into the first. I saw the fire. The second time I heard it, I hoped I was mistaken or confused. I messaged up and down without knowing what I was meant to do. Everything was safe and calm. I carried out my duties as before. Just because it happened once Doesn't mean that it should happen anymore And I saw him Waving to the night He was covering his eyes And I saw him And then I saw her fall and hit the ground On the best day of her life time that I heard it, I was sure that there was nothing to be done. I'd help in cheerful company, but practical advice there had been none. I saw him by the tunnel mouth again, and he waved to me this time. What else could I do? I slowly made my way across the line. And I saw him Waving to the night He was covering his eyes And I saw him And I saw him And I saw him And he saw me That's really, really good. I, I like that a lot. That was Rugby Socks. Sorry, Mugby Box. <laughs> Declan's seventh song of the season. Really big fan of this one. Um, there's a lot to unpack here, I feel. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll just say I, I really like it and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing kind of what went into this one. Thank you. Listeners, here is a warning. Uh, if you want to read The Signalman quickly. It's only a short story. You can find it online quite easily. It's out of copyright. Do that now. My-signalman.com <laughs> Have t- you done that? For 20% Fantastic. 
<laughs> for twenty percent off Dickens works. Um, right. Now that you've uh, continued to listen to the episode, I assume that you have all read The Signalman. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, so, <laughs> I I rewatched the BBC version of this early in the week, the The Signalman, and it it's just a really well written story. Uh, plus, I'm a train nerd, so obviously I'm interested in it. Um, and I was thinking about it just in the shower one day, and I was thinking about how you might transpose that to song. And just in the shower, I just had the idea for the chorus, and I saw him. And that's the thing that really uh, kicked it off. For those unfamiliar, uh, in the Sigmund, there is a ghostly spectre which haunts a railway signalman uh, who appears at the beginning of a tunnel. And every time that he appears, uh, some disaster falls upon uh, the signalman uh, or upon the railway that he works for, ultimately culminating in his own death. Told you there'd be spoilers. So I thought, well, that would actually fit really well the repeating folk song thing. Where, Mm. like, you don't have so many, like, bridges and tangents and other sections. You just have, like, an A and a B section that just repeat indefinitely. That fits with the structure of the story, having the three incidents there. Uh, and then you can do the fun thing on the last one of just not resolving it and then just cutting it dead off at the end. Um, but also, as I heard this in the shower and I sort of just had a rough idea of how the first verse would go, I knew each line had to start with the first time I heard it, the second time I heard it, the third time I heard it. As I was thinking about it in the shower, I realised, oh, I'm going to need a couple of sound effects in here to properly tell the story. So that's why you have, like, in the story, uh, the bell that the signalman uses to communicate with the boxes up and down the line uh, sometimes rings with an eerie vibration that only he can hear, which is why you've got those ringing noises leading into each chorus. Can I just ask what those actually are in the production of how you did them? Uh, That is my big triangle. Hold on, I'm going to blow the audio out here, but I'm going to play it for you. But, uh, yeah, it's reversing that and then pitching that down eight semitones because this this, um, triangle is in C and the song is in E. Ah. (laughs) Well, it transposed Um, well. It does transpose really well, but then it's also reverse to try and hide, and with some reverb on it, to try and hide that initial strike. Ah, okay. Because one thing the BBC production does really well is it uses long reverb to sort of have the ring of the bell without actually having the strike of, like, the hammer on the bell, which is just really cool. Um, And it's basically just... Beyond that, it's like a transposition of the events of the story from the signalman's perspective... The story itself is written from the uh, perspective of a bystander who goes and visits him for the last two days of his life. Um, And the signalman then recounts these tales to him, but obviously that wouldn't work as well. You could make it work with the three days and everything, but there's a lot you'd have to fit in today too. Um, But yeah. Oh, while we're talking about sound effects... um, I just want to share how I made the noise of the train at the end. I have some sound blocks, uh, sand blocks, and uh, just just that. <laughs> wow! Um, pi- pitch de- pitch down uh, two octaves to get that really deep, like of a train, and then like some of the top end EQ'd off it. Damn, Declan Kitchener Foley artist over here. Oh, I love Foley. I'd love to be a Foley artist. Um, the only other sound effect is just me shouting the words "Hello below there, hello below there, look out!" Oh, that's you at the end. That's me, yeah. I thought it was a sample from like a TV show or something. No, that's all me. I went into the corner of the room and I just yelled at the wall. Um, <laughs> uh, in transcribing some of the events, I have taken a wee bit of dramatic license. Uh, so in the story. The crash that the signalman witnesses, the first incident, he doesn't mention there being another train. However, 
Wikipedia tells me that that's based on the Clayton Tunnel crash, uh, which involved a train being halted in a tunnel and then a signalman accidentally letting another train through and that crashing into the back of that, hence the tunnel fire. Um, So that's why that's there. And also I kind of forgot to check with the original story uh, for the second verse. In the BBC production, which I sort of based it on more, the second event is a bride falls from the train and dies. In the original story, the signalman notices something on the train, stops the train, and it's a beautiful woman who has died as she's come out of the tunnel, but she's still on the train. But that doesn't make for a nice, uh, you know, a more interesting image. I don't feel. Yeah, I'm with and you it there. doesn't give doesn't give you the best uh, rhyme um but yeah like i i have a wee bit of a mixed feeling about this one because i do like it it's very simple chordly it's like there are only five chords in the whole thing might be four actually Hmm. e a major seven c sharp minor a cheeky little sus in there and then f sharp minor yeah there's only four chords in it um but like you were saying before, this is basically just a straight retelling of the signalman from another character's perspective. What I normally like to do when I base songs on other works is I often look for like behind the scenes details or like stories of how it came to be, or like viewpoints of characters uh who maybe aren't central to the narrative. The problem is this is a short story. So, like, it's super tight in how it's plotted. Like, everything that's in there needs to be there. So there's not, like, a lot of... You couldn't say, like, oh, I'm going to write a song from the story of the engine driver because he turns up at the last scene. And he just goes, yeah, Signalman was being in the track and being weird and looking at the walls. (laughs) I want to hear that Um, song. (laughs) Maybe next time. Uh, However, I will um, relieve myself of some burden in that this story is out of copyright. Uh, and I should say as well, the reason it's called Mugby Box is because the story was originally pro- uh, published as part of a collection of stories based around a fictional railway line called Mugby Junction. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, thank you for attending my TED Talk. <laughs> That's really interesting all round. Um, my question for you, though, is when you're approaching the lyrics, did you just like the... Um, the story and feel inclined to retell it or is there some kind of like how do I put this is there some kind of like personal metaphor that you put in there that reflects something you're going through or did the story speak to you in some way um no it's it's just it's just literally I, I like the story a lot and I thought of how would you adapt it? Like, I like adapting stories for other mediums. Like, I did my dissertation on in uni on adaptation. And I just... It literally just came out of the idea of, like, how would you tell this story? You've got this repeating chorus, and I saw him, and I saw him. Flip it so it's, and he saw me. Mm. And that suddenly becomes the engine driver. That's the thing that um, drove the process forward. At this point in time, I can't say that there's anything in there that's relating to my own life, if that makes sense. No, totally. I, I did get that impression. I just, I was just curious. Um, I think you've done a. Really... Truthfully, that signal man is a metaphor for me. <laughs> I think you've done a. One of the things that really struck me with this song is you've done a really good job of telling the story in a really succinct two and a half minute, or like three minute, you know song but also it's a short story of a short story but you've also done like a really good job of creating tension like there's a genuine i don't know like narrative tension and it's kind of scary at some points like the end there when it cuts off just really abruptly it's very well done all credit to charles dickens that could be a title as well <laughs> yes yes but um i the only thing I'll say, like, with, like, trying to create the tension there is just, like, normally we say this is a songwriting podcast and we don't deal with production very much. The reason I sort of put those more production elements in there this time is because they are part of the story. Therefore, they are part of the song. And I did think about them in the core creative process. Mm. Like, as 
weird and wankery as that sounds. But you know what I mean? Like I, no, I wrote I the song with the, with the knowledge that there would be a pause to allow the bell to ring. I knew that I was going to try and make a train sound at the end. It's, it's, it's something that we don't really do, like elements of production that could be counted as essential to songcraft. For good reason, because there's very little call for it in most cases. But again, it's the thing of like, because Charles Dickens wrote this story and there are elements in it that need to be there to work and it's a short story anyway so there's not a lot of like fluff on it like you've really got to pull all of the essential elements into it to try and get the same vibe across that's really interesting i mean it, it kind of speaks to your your love of um audio dramas and you know they often use that sort of thing too you know like sound effects yeah it's trying to create either a vibe or a space or try and like um, mostly affect the listener in the right way. I should also say as well that if you are interested in seeing the BBC version of The Signalman, uh, I believe it's actually linked on the Wikipedia page. Like if you go through the references and through the uh, uh, external links, I believe it is actually there. And you can cheekily watch it for free. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if you go to... The Signalman, open brackets, film, close brackets, external references, reference one. There you go. You can watch it there. Great. Yeah, I think it would be cool to kind of like for people to see how, like what you were watching to get your initial inspiration. I think that would be, that'd be an interesting thing. So now the listeners have homework. Yeah. Are you going to develop this? Because, I mean, at this point, it sounds pretty done anyway, you know, with the sound effects and everything. I don't know what else. I'd do with it. I have made sure, like, I deleted the project, but I did make sure I exported it as a WAV. Um, so that if I want to do something with it, I can. I don't know what I've released it on. Like, even for my particular oeuvre of songs, which are about, like, films and books and things like that, this this doesn't fit into any of them because it's, like, really slow. It's really, like, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like... Perhaps you could start releasing a yearly EP, you know, kind of like how I release that thing called Winter Tape, which is just because I have things like where I go, OK, I like this song. It's recorded well, I think, but this is this doesn't belong on a regular album because it's a little off the wall or something like that. So maybe that's an option. Maybe just do an EP of like out of copyright stories retold in song. <laughs> that's a catchy title. That's literally what the title would be if I did it. Where <laughs> are you that? I like that. From from the guys who brought you the weekly song podcast. <laughs> yeah, from the from the minds of the podcast. Um no, but you should definitely do something with it. Some kind of project which involves things like this. Because every now and then you do a song that's like this where you know, it's not even necessarily just like based on existing literature or something, but just Something that's a little out of left field, I guess. I'll consider it. Food for thought. Uh, but yeah, no, really, really... Om cool. nom nom. <laughs> really, really cool uh, writing here. Uh, and again, good use of sound effects. I think that that being a crucial part of the actual composition. Like, you know, if there was a sheet music um, book for this song, that would be written there, wouldn't it? It would be reverse triangle yeah, or whatever. Like take- Take the sand blocks and just go for your life. Like, what have you been listening to this week? What have I been listening to this week? Less than I'd like to, sadly, other than the fantastic audiobook of The Signalman. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. But, well, again, I'm going to cheat and say something from the week that we've actually been listening in. The big thing was uh, Frank Turner live in Newcastle. Some mornings I pray for evenings. To be done Some summer days I hide away Wait for rain to come As it turns out Hell will not be found Within the fires below What I'm making do I'm muddling through When you know where else to go And then I remember Truth in all you do And if you remember 
Is that a personal favour? Is that something that you don't go back to that often? Um, it's more one I tend to just listen to for long drives because it tends to finish at just about the point where uh, the M5 ends and the A30 begins um, from where I start. Therefore, most people can now hunt me down by the length of this album. <laughs> but but I just like it because it's, it's Frank Turner in, like like, not necessarily showman mode, but, like, he's in a very conversational mode in this and he's talking about like the inspirations for certain songs and it's more like a review of songs rather than it is like just a punk rock show or something like there's loads of bits where he does like and he's he's formed quite a good like set of jokes all throughout the thing as well of like well this song led to this this song led to this this song led to this um yeah, it's it's maybe not typical of his live performances, but I I really like it. Sorry if you've already said this, but is it acoustic or a live band, like a full electric band? It's a full electric band, but like it is slightly more acoustic focused, but not exclusively so. Okay, okay. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I know he's. Uh, I've seen him once, and um, I know you show me uh, quite a few of his things, and I know he's a uh, quite a showman. You know, quite a stage presence. Yeah, and this is kind of the other side of that coin of him still being a presence, but like just being more conversational with it and like a storyteller. That's very cool. I mean, he's got so many stories to tell, even from the little I know. He's got that whole book, and hasn't we, he? We'll have all the best stories to tell. Sorry. It's <laughs> true. It's true. No lie detected there. Well, what have you been listening to this week? Me. Little old you. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, The Hermit of Mink Hollow by Todd Rundgren. I thought you were going to say that that was like an audiobook or something there. Like, we've both like been it. doing the classic literature thing this week. Yeah, it's by, um, it's by uh, Shelley or something. It's the worst joke ever. Get it? That's the punchline. It's by Shelley. It's, it's my favourite Todd Rundgren album. Um, I think it's really underrated. I'd heard a couple of Todd Rundgren songs, and I heard I heard people talk about him as like, you know, like a really seminal artist. But it's only when I heard Lucky Guy, I can't remember where I heard it, um, that I just thought this is fantastic because the chord progression is. I still haven't learned it, but the chord progression is so unusual, and the sense of melodic. Um, movement is really good, um, but the whole album's great. It's like uh, he plays a lot of the instruments himself, and he's just a genius. He's right up there with the best. I haven't heard much, but I haven't I've heard, heard much, a lot. What I like the trouble is, I've been trying to find the CDs of the actual albums, and that's a tricky thing to find at the moment. YouTube, mate. YouTube. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, as you know, we have written our seven songs for this season, and uh, if you've been listening to the podcast before, you'll know that the eighth episode is often a roundup. But rather than us um, rehashing the songs we've written and kind of doing that, we're going to choose our favourite of each other's. And we've also got another little challenge, uh, which we will describe here. Mm. So we have a unique challenge coming up that we're about to uh, introduce for episode 8 of season 15. Declan, what are we going to be doing? Well, essentially, we're going to be pretending that we're, like, songwriters for a major record label, and we've been given the task uh, of, like, right, you have to create a song for X artist. Uh, and we don't know exactly which one that we're going to be getting. Uh, so we've compiled a list of 10 different artists, and we are about to work out who we are going to have to write songs for. Um, the artists in question are Beyonce, Elvis Presley, The Beatles, Willie Nelson, Simon and Garfunkel, any Disney soundtrack, uh, a Muse song, um, Stevie Wonder, 
Fleetwood Mac, specifically the Rumours Era incarnation, and the Spice Girls. So we ha- we're, two of these artists are getting songs written for them by the Weekly Song Podcast crew. This will surely make their careers. <laughs> I'm actually more nervous about this than having to write just a regular song. Oh, it'll be fun. The stakes are it'll high. It'll be fun if you get one of the silly ones. Okay, so we are going to spin for uh, the artist that you're going to write for first, Declan. Here we go. We're about to spin an actual wheel. And by an actual wheel, I mean a digital wheel on the internet. But it is wheel-shaped. On wheelgenerator.com. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, here we go. Drum roll, please. <laughs> so you're writing a song in the style of Fleetwood Mac, Rumor Zero. Oh, hooray. I have to write a song that's more or less equal to uh, one of the songs on one of the greatest albums of all time. What an easy task. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is actually quite an interesting one because I know how to play most of the songs on that record. Gives you a head start. You know the different chord progressions. I've done stuff. my homework. Uh, all right. So I feel like you really lucked out on that. Yeah, um, I'd have thought that was the one that would have like been perfect for you. Okay, here we go. I'm going to spin for myself. Ooh. Simon and Garfunkel. Ooh, that one actually would be really up your street. You're a big Paul Simon fan, aren't you? I'm happy with that. I'm a big Paul Simon fan, and I've got all the Simon and Garfunkel records. So like you with Rumours, I kind of know how to play a few of the songs, and uh, I'm up for this. I'm so glad I didn't get the Spice Girls. I was genuinely scared of that. I'm slightly gutted I didn't get the Spice Girls. That would have been fun. (laughs) It would have been silly, but fun. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I love how we've like filled this up with... like. A couple of artists with a couple of curveballs in there with stuff that we don't really write like or sound like. And we've come out with the two most like-us things that is entirely possible. Damn you, fate. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I, I was actually kind of hoping for winning... Um, winning. Um, getting selected for Disney movie soundtrack. I think that would have been really fun. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to say that you couldn't change your artist if you were feeling like it. But we won't because that's against the spirit of the competition. I'm happy as I am. I'm happy with my lot. But yeah, that's what we're going to have to do next week. Yeah, tune in next week uh, for episode 8 of season 15 and you'll be able to hear these songs written in the style of Fleetwood Mac Rumours era and Simon and Garfunkel. So that is basically it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you for listening to season 15. Tune in next week for the Roundup and the Challenge episode. And also the announcement of the winner for the competition. Absolutely, yes. One of you will have winned one is the you right will have winned. <laughs> you will have winned this special book uh, you will have won a, a journeyman book free of charge so we will be playing the song by the winner and uh, announcing the winner themselves um, if you want to email the show do it's weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com and you can email us your comments your thoughts your songs you've written in a week and that sort of thing you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter as well, uh, mm. at Weekly Song Podcast. Wait, do we have a Twitter? We certainly do, sir. We certainly do. That goes to show you how much of the heavy lifting I do around here. <laughs> well, I mean, you say that, but I mean, there's not really many tweets uh, over there <laughs> yet. Yeah, but at the time of this airing, there may well be. There'll um, be 10,000 <laughs> of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just hire a bot. Declan, where can people find uh, your music online? Uh, well, you can hear my music on the album Rumours, on Tango in the Night, on Fleetwood <laughs> Mac, Fleetwood Mac. Um, no, but but for real, so uh, please phone me. I'm desperate. I need I need to be in a band. I, Fleetwood Mac will have anyone in the band. They've had a million people in the band. <laughs> I'm doing myself tons of favours here, aren't I? So, uh, you can find my music on Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, most of the other things, because I just clicked all of them when I uploaded the music, and I didn't actually check, because I love quality control. Um, <laughs> can find me at Declan Kitchener Music on Facebook and on YouTube, where uh, last thing uh, I believe I uploaded to the YouTube was a cover of Blondie's Dreaming. Uh, which was a lot of fun to do. It's really, really good. That. Really good cover you did. Thank you. Um, where can people find your music, Roger? 
all the same places. Not that you have much of it. <laughs> yeah. At all. Um, it's not like he's got 200 songs here, people. Yeah, same places, really. Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Bandcamp, all those sorts of places. You can follow me as well at Roger Heathers on Instagram and at Roger Heathers on Twitter because I'm apparently matching Twitter today. Um, and yeah, I'm, I also did the Blondie cover challenge this month and I covered uh, Atomic. It was Declan's choice as to what we covered. And uh, yeah, Atomic was a really, really challenging one, actually. I I knew that you would dig your teeth into that for the production side of it, and I'm, it sounds really awesome. Uh, also <laughs> worth you. mentioning, as we did earlier in the episode, is that you also have a project with Joe O'Neill, uh, which is Pea Green Boats, uh, of which there are five releases out, I believe. Am I correct? That is right, yeah, working on the sixth. So, yeah, five albums uh, out at the moment, so yeah. Fantastic. And he's not in any other bands at all. Apart Wait. from... <laughs> Schnookums. Schnookums. on Instagram. That is uh that's our band, isn't it? Me and you. That's our little project, yeah. Oh, it sounds so good. I love it. It's shaping up really, really well. Um we had a little I'm so excited <laughs> We had a little uh, listen to the mixes the other day and added a cheeky guitar and it's very, very near completion. It's it's exciting. Yeah, I cannot wait to hear like the hundred percent finished version, but like the like eighty ninety percent finished version that I've been listening to is just like, oh, oh, some of those are good, uh, like proper good. I love it. Oh, cannot yeah. wait. Pretty fun as well because when we were recording, we didn't have the greatest um, playback on our headphones, so it was kind of a risk as to like, will it sound any good when we hear the mixes um, on good speakers? Well, I think. I think when we did like the uh, drums and the bass, like the only way we could actually hear what the track was doing is if we like overdrove everything, <laughs> so everything sounded like fucking death metal. Uh, I was trying to like drum and bass to that, which was a lot of fun, but also it was just kind of like a relief when we played it all through later. It was just like, oh, this works okay, fantastic. Oh man, even from like an engineering perspective, like that's a huge no-no to like. Because you want to know how, what your sounds are like. You want to know if the snare drum isn't too resonant or if the kick drum sounds any good. But we had no idea. And luckily it all came out, like, shockingly We just well. got up and played it, darling. We just we just played our music to the world. Hell yeah. By the world, I mean Minehead. And Minehead basically didn't know we existed, but that's fine. That's fine. Because we... <laughs> but we've been talking about the cover art for it as well recently as well, which... Uh, you sort of cooked up a concept for that, which is going to be really cool to see finished. Yeah, um, I won't go into huge detail because it's not time yet, but it involves me having to learn how to draw dogs. And um, I've actually been practicing quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've actually drawn a couple oh, of dogs over the course of this podcast. I, sometimes it helps me to think if I if I draw at the same time. So I've drawn a little dog with human hands. And I've drawn a dog with little legs, but it looks like he's, he's got a tiny little willy. But it's supposed to be a leg. Ta-ra! <laughs> Ta-ra!